Hey everyone, it's PF. Uh, happy lockdown, uh, wherever you are. Uh, it is, let me see, as I'm recording this, it is May 3rd. It's a Sunday night. A lot of states are going to be opening back up here in the next couple of days, it seems. Uh, quite a few of them tomorrow. I don't know if you can listen closely. This microphone picks up a lot. You can hear uh, Liza Lou and, uh, or nearly Lizzie, as she is known to uh, PF tape recorder fans. And uh, my wife are upstairs watching some TV. I'm recording uh, the intro to this episode again. We're going to do an encore presentation. It's an encore presentation of episode 141, I believe. It's with Rajiv Satyal. And um, the reason I'm replaying this one is, even if you go back in your iTunes 300 episodes, this one is no longer available, but you can still find it through other uh, podcast catching services I discovered because I just Googled Rajiv Satyal PF tape recorder and a ton of them came up. But anyway, um, this came up actually at my other job. I was, uh, I don't know how, what I was discussing, but of course, some of you longtime listeners, if there are any of you out there, may remember that Fangirl and I uh, got detained by the police from, uh, I believe it was Mason, Ohio in Butler County, just north of us here, back in 2014, I think it was. And that came up for some reason, and people hadn't heard the story. And I'm like, well, it's, it's, a, it's a funny story. Very traumatic at the time. Gave fangirl, seriously, gave fangirl nightmares for years. But uh, we can laugh about it now, as they uh, say you can, and we certainly can. So we have that story. And then there's an interview with Rajiv. Rajiv uh, is a comedian from Fairfield, Ohio, just uh, down the road from us here. Uh, where we're living uh, in suburban Cincinnati. And Rajiv, uh, like my boss, Josh Sneed, worked at Procter & Gamble, and then he gave up his career at Procter & Gamble, uh, as did Greg Warren, by the way, so three of those guys, all to become comedians. So we hear uh, from Rajiv about that, and Rajiv is a very funny guy. He considers himself, he's been touring with a show called Man in the Middle, so he, he considers himself to be very much middle of the road when it comes to political and social issues. So um, you know, we'll hear a little bit about that as well. This is also back when it had a thing called Fake News before Fake News, was what it is now fake news meaning like parody news satire news not made up news so there's that and uh so as usual with the encore presentations when we come out of the other side of this thing i'm going to do a brand new song of the week and the brand new song of the week is from ajr uh the guys you may be familiar with are a trio and uh, i'll tell you all about that on the other side of this so for now here's an encore presentation of episode 141 interview with rajiv satyal fangirl and pf get detained by mason police enjoy hey everybody this is deandra new girl from overland park originally from atchison just so you know, you're listening to the PF tape recorder, bitches. Hello there, I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, funny Indian man Rajiv Satyal. I turned 30, I freaked out. I was like, you know what? I love Cincinnati, I love Ohio, but... I cannot spend my entire life here. Uh, I cannot grow old in Salem's lot, as Eminem once said. And I thought, you know what? I'm getting out. I'm going to the coast. We'll hear more from Rajiv in just a few minutes. We'll also have the 911 call from our run-in with law enforcement. you want to stay tuned for that. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. Are corporations people capable of their own religious objections to birth control? And businesses deny employees contraception access based on the corporation's spirituality? The U.S. Supreme Court heard oral arguments this past Tuesday on this extremely important case, which Hobby Lobby also objected to. Hobby Lobby, of course, also objected to oral arguments. 
U.S. President Barack Obama and Pope Francis met for the first time this past Thursday in Vatican City. The two men discussed history, spirituality, and how some conservative Christians in America love money and the status quo more than they love their God. Jose Ahonan is a Finnish magician who is racking up millions of YouTube views with a new video in which he pulls a hidden treat trick on dogs. Yes, even puppies can fall for a sleight of hand trick, and the reactions to Ahonan's antics are pretty hilarious. Ahonan's next video will feature Fox talking points being explained to Fox News viewers. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban says the NFL is 10 years from imploding. Cuban made the remarks in response to the league's new Thursday night television deal that will put games on CBS for the first half of the season. He then offered to buy a percentage of the league, but then Shark Tank co-star Kevin O'Leary immediately countered, saying he would take a part of the league but wanted a $10 royalty per fan until he got his money back, and then $5 per fan after that. Someone in a commentary also pointed out that, that Cuban's league, Cuban says that the league is going to be overexposed, and someone pointed out but the NBA plays from like June to almost the next June. More NFL news, Dan Snyder is backing down from continuing to use his team's and battle nickname. Now the Washington Redskins owner is trying to change perceptions by making public overtures towards American Indians. In a letter posted Monday on the team's website, Snyder announced the creation of the Washington Redskins Original Americans Foundation, which will aim to tackle the troubling realities facing so many tribes across the country. Said Snyder, I want to help these savages overcome some of the problems that they are facing. An NFL team is interested in former New York Jets quarterback Mark Sanchez. Fans across the country are all whispering, please don't be my team, please don't be my team. This is the year of big announcements for Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis. On the heels of their engagement news, the couple who met while starring on the hit sitcom That 70 Show is expecting their first child together, sources confirm, to Yahoo Entertainment News. Upon being told by Kunis that she was with child, Kutcher exclaimed, Damn, Jackie! All I can picture when I see those two, Miss Simpson. A little over a year ago, Steve Nick told Rolling Stone there was more of a chance of an asteroid hitting Earth and Christine McVie returning to Fleetwood Mac. Well, it might be time to prepare for Armageddon because the Max keyboardson singer who quit the band in 1998 after a three-decade stint in the group is returning for a world tour beginning this September and a possible new album. Nick's expressed excitement at the news, but noted that we only love her when she's playing. Danielle Hughes, CEO and founder of Divine Capital Markets, is among many smart, successful women who find the ban bossy campaign a misguided waste of energy. Hughes takes issue with the notion that the term bossy negatively impacts girls more than boys. If anything, she thinks being called bossy contributed to her success. I believe it helped me get over myself and find another way to communicate. Dad, get off the computer! I need to do my extra math! And that's some fake news with me. So when we left you last week, uh, Fangirl and I, Fangirl's here, hey, um. uh, had been stopped uh, at gunpoint by law enforcement and were being detained in the back of squad cars. And we got two slightly different stories as to what happened. And what was the story you got? Um, I was told that someone in a white car at the hotel was threatening to kill three people at gunpoint. And I got the slightly different story. Someone from a white car called and was threatening to shoot people. That's what they told me. Okay, so what happened, we're going to back this up a little bit. It's about 2.58 p.m., uh, around 3 o'clock. We arrive at what we believe is a public road that goes to the back fence of uh, the local amusement park. And uh, Fangirl is taking pictures. And at about this same time, uh, this 911 call is received by Mason Police in Ohio and the Butler County Sheriff's Department. They use the same dispatch. Here it is. How you doing? My name is
I'm with uh, uh, Great Wolf Lodge and Mason. Just want to give you a call. Um, if you could send someone, that'd be great. It's a non-emergency, but what we had is a guess to three witnesses heard say that's how people get shot um, and dropping the F word really loudly multiple times. Uh, we evicted her. We had security and a manager walk her out. She got in her car instead of leaving. She's driving around the back of the property right now. She's on the back of the property? Yes, sir. What kind of vehicle, Jim? Um, give me one second, sir. 700 to 150, what type of car is that? I couldn't get a make or model on it. Uh, all I know was a white sedan. Alright, couldn't get a make or model, but it was a white sedan, four door. Okay. Is that an number in I'm sorry, phone number? A license plate? Oh. Okay, so uh, we were never actually in their parking lot, the the road, the public road. I was. Uh, you well, the were, car wasn't, but I was physically. Yeah, I turned the car around and was facing it back on the road to, to leave as soon as Fangirl's done taking pictures of the one coaster back there. and they But they must have seen uh, our car, which is white, a white four-door, on the road and uh, apparently missed the fact that it was a non-emergency. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, so here's what happened, and we talked to some uh, law enforcement experts, both a, a city police officer uh, up in the suburbs of Cleveland and a former deputy uh, from a county down in Florida. And uh, the fault apparently lies with a dispatch that did not communicate to the police officers that it was, one, a non-emergency. And what showed up on the police officer's screen, we got a printout of the report, was a uh, person in white car threatening to shoot three people. That's what showed up on law enforcement screen, and that's why I'm told by our law enforcement expert it's called a felony stop, and that's why they show up with guns because they assume you have one, and uh, and that's why we were treated the way we were treated, and that's uh, being in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> Best example of it. Yes. So, and uh, oddly, we were still asked not to come back to the property, and for a long time we were never we, on the property. Exactly. We thought. <laughs> They think Fangirl is the girl that was uh, causing the ruckus. Which is a whole new mess of problems. Exactly. And, uh, oh, we later, in the end of the report, it says uh, the, the, the woman they're oh, looking the for. Oh, the best part. Yeah, is that she. My new nationality. That's right. Yeah. Uh, n- uh, your new race. The, the, new the, race. The, the suspect was black, which doesn't have anything to do with things, except for the fact that you would think that uh, that kind of description would separate Fangirl, who was white. It's just a mess. And blonde. Yeah, we're not. Naturally the, blonde. Yeah, anyone listening to this podcast knows we're not making any kind of a, a judgment call on race, obviously. It's just a matter of that's a pretty distinct 
difference between fangirl and the suspect is all I'm saying. <laughs> and the lady that caused the ruckus did actually did in fact leave. And the bottom of the police report says they didn't catch her. So she got off scot-free and um, <laughs> we got thrown in the back of a squad car for 20 minutes <laughs> with handcuffs at gunpoint. And, um, they asked you if the handcuffs were comfortable. <laughs> didn't ask me and didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. comfortable. I know. <laughs> you know what? These are nice. Can I get a pair for myself? <laughs> I think I could see them these from home. Where do you get these at? Can you kind of order these from Amazon? It's so true. It is. So, um, now I've read in these, uh, in magazines, I think maybe like Esquire or some of these lad magazines that there's, you know, 10 things every man should do. or everything. And one of them is, uh, you should, at one, uh, one time in life, you should get arrested. <laughs> and I'm going to say, nah, I'm good. Yeah. No. I'm fine. I'm fine. And I would not oh, recommend I thought it. for sure we were heading to the jail. Oh yeah, totally. Well, we thought we're, we were convinced that they were mad at us for being back there taking pictures of the roller coaster. Oh yeah. We thought we were in real trouble. On what, on what we presumed was a public road. And it our, is a public road, isn't it? It used to be, I think, when they built the hotel, somehow they assumed. Oh. But I still think, but it still has a traffic sign it on clear. it. And it says the end of county maintenance. Yeah. It does not say no traffic. It's clear where the amusement park property starts. It's clear where the hotel parking lot is. It is not clear where this road all of a sudden stops being a road. And it's actually a back access road for the hotel. But anyway, um, yeah, so so that's that. And my recommendation to you, you boys and girls out there, is not to get arrested, and especially under uh, uh, false and misleading circumstances. So it is not as glamorous as it sounds. It is not. A, <laughs> it sounds. All right, <laughs> on to the interview. Rajiv Satyal is a stand-up comedian with an engineering degree. He's originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, and now lives in Los Angeles, California. He headlines clubs across the country and currently has a one-man show called No Man's Land. Here is our interview with Rajiv Satyal. Okay, joining us on PS Tape Recorder, it's Rajiv Satyal. Rajiv, how you doing? Good, PF. Thanks for having me back on. Oh, no problem, man. Uh, gosh, it, um, I know I, we've of course spoken in the past before. You are a native of Greater Cincinnati. I, that I, is correct. I am a transplant. So, um, I, and now I know the story sort of from interviewing you for uh, for the for the press. But uh, let's walk listeners through it. Uh, you're from is it Fairfield, Ohio? You got it. Where Absolutely. You're from up north, right? Yes, but um, my day job now is right there on Route Four. Uh, I tell Beautiful. you, man, that's, I grew up right there. I went to school on uh, at Central Elementary. The freshman building, those are both right there on Route 4. There you go, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, the semi-truck and warehouse capital of the world, it seems. It really is, man. I tell you, you're, uh, it's good that they have more than one lane out there. It is, it is yeah. So um, now, where did you just start in comedy? I actually started at Go Bananas Comedy Club in Montgomery. Okay. But going back when you were younger, I mean, in school, were you the were you the funny kid, or did you watch comedians and think, "Geez, I'd like to do that"? And how did that come about? It was definitely the former. I, I watched probably about five stand-up sets before I ever did stand-up, and they were—I mean, they were some of the greats. So Eddie Murphy, it was Dennis Miller, Dennis Leary, Bill Cosby. I mean, some of the really, really funny ones out there. Uh, but it's Stephen Wright. I think I just named all five. I think those are the five that I saw, and. Um, 
I really uh, I was amused by it, but I never really thought, oh, that's something I'm going to go do. I was the funny kid in class, but I was also, uh, you know, class president and student government, and uh, you know, it's kind of too serious probably to be <laughs> to be the class clown. Uh, but I was, uh, you know, I guess I ended up the class comedian. There you go. Didn't now? Didn't you host like things at school and and uh, and things like that? That didn't that kind of get things rolling? Is that am I remembering that correctly? It absolutely. You're absolutely right. At school, uh, as the president, I had to uh, host a lot of the pep assemblies and you know, kind of get the crowd going and all that sort of thing. And that's something I've never actually mentioned in an interview because no one's asked the question that directly as far as what the what the school uh, part of it had to do in terms of that. But I also, being Indian, hosted a lot of. Uh, Indian events like Diwali and Holi and uh, sort of the Indian Christmas, Indian Easter, if you will. And uh, those, those events were, you know, they drew about a thousand people. And I was up there, you know, cracking jokes, doing impressions, whatever. And uh, I didn't really realize that, yeah, I guess you could say I sort of, you know, I don't want to say I started when I was 13, but I, you know, dabbled a little bit as a, sure. as a young teen. More than most 13-year-olds, I would imagine. Yeah, that's something I'd never really thought about. I'm like, yeah, I guess that is kind of really super abnormal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been doing this since I was 13, but yeah. I was never actually in front of people. I was like in a school play once when I was 13, but as far as being in front of an audience, really never until I, you know, did an open mic when I was in my 30s. So that's, uh, you know, I'm used to hiding behind the microphone here. That's something, uh, did you, uh, do you watch that series, uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee? No, I've seen clips of it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld has that. Yeah. It's just comedians and cars getting coffee. Dot com. He had Howard Stern on, and that was probably the best episode. And of course, Howard uh, Stern was talking all about how uh, I'm your best interview, right? I'm your best, and he is. He is the <laughs> yeah, best yeah. interview. And uh, he goes, you know, I've always just said whatever I wanted. And Jerry Seinfeld goes, well, you're in a room by yourself. And then Howard Stern is kind of quiet, yeah. and then Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld is like, you, what, you never thought about that. <laughs> it's just funny that he's like, I have to in front of people wow. I talk. You that's, don't. Yeah, you know? that's right. And even that being said, though, it still took Howard a long time to develop because he used to be awful when I was a kid growing right? up. Oh yeah, he had his his voice was a lot more whiny, and yeah. he just had kind of these lame put down insult jokes. And I was like, you know, I. I you know, I, there was a lot of controversy when he was out in, in the 80s when he was first getting national exposure. And yeah, he was, you know, and there was a big feud with him and Imus. But then someone yeah. pointed out, in a, I think on the, the A&E biography of him or one of his these behind the music things or whatever he was on, said that, yeah. you know, Howard learned how to talk into the microphone and become, now you listen to his voice, it's very deep. It's like this. Instead of being all whiny like this and putting good, yeah. he's very deep and he's very engaged. Yeah, and like, you're right. And the secret of his success is he gets to say whatever he wants. But yeah, I never realized that. That's He's had a, a big advantage there over folks like you and Jerry Seinfeld and all the stand ups is that that's a much much different reaction um now the, the I, plus side of that i guess is you know immediately what works and what doesn't and on the radio you don't really know until people either call in or maybe they just stop listening and the ratings go down yeah no that's absolutely true i love how you lumped me in with jerry seinfeld i will absolutely take that <laughs> so that's fine by me um <laughs> so where did you go from okay you're 13 years old 14 you're doing these things you're hosting these things where does the idea come to like well i should go over to go bananas over there in montgomery and uh, do some standing up comedy uh, my uh, my brother found an article in the local paper in the Cincinnati Enquirer, and it was uh, funniest person in Cincinnati contest. There you go. I've bombed in that many a time. Have you you been to it? Oh yeah, I've been in it, and uh, one and done every time. One and done. Okay. I can I cannot think of I cannot think of a oh Lord no. I cannot think of good sports analogy. It's like someone who leaves the playoffs instantly. Um, well, well, like the Bengals this past year. Oh, there the you Bears, go. Yeah, you know, well, like right in our own backyard. I'm like the Bengals then. I'm the Bengals. I'm the Cincinnati Bengals of the uh, funniest person in Cincinnati. Or the Bearcats, man. That was kind of disappointing as oh, well. Too brutal. bad. 
big, big fan. That's why I went to school there. So I was, I was doing, uh, I did stand up for the first time uh, while I was a student at University of Cincinnati. So that's a kind of an apropos uh, sort of analogy. Yeah, that's where I started. Okay. And how did you do in the contest time? Well, the first time I made the semifinals, not to rub it in, PF. But, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not surprised. <laughs> as one does. But hey, I had all that advantage from, you know, emceeing those India gigs when I was 13. So there, there you go. You go. All um, right. That. Um, the, the second year I won it, I actually uh, went all the way my, my second year. And um, I, you know, so, it's interesting because contests, uh, they always say are BS to some extent. I mean, it, it's a popularity contest of sorts. I mean, how many people can you bring? And, you know, it, it's somewhat yeah. of a business decision by the club. But, you know, they're not going to give it to you if they don't think you've got I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, the people uh, who have all won it are all very funny. Right, right, right. So, so. There, there's got to, you got to have something. But I, I'm not, I'd lie if I said that I thought that I won completely on merit. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I uh, hope, you know, I've st- stayed in the game. The guys I beat, I don't think are doing it anymore. So, you yeah. know, they, they, they voted for longevity, if nothing else. So, speaking of staying in the game, do you pursue, well, where, what are you studying at University of Cincinnati, first of all, I guess? What, some kind of, was some kind of business degree, wasn't it? No, I actually got a degree. Well, I worked in business later. You're right about that. But I actually got a degree in engineering. Uh, so I oh, got wow. a degree in materials engineering, graduated in 2000. And then I started working at Procter & Gamble. I worked there for six years in oh, marketing. Right. Well, I started in purchasing and ended up in marketing. That's right. You, uh, Josh Need, um, uh, Greg Warren. Andrew Tarvin. There oh. are four comedians that have all come out of the Cincinnati headquarters of Procter & Gamble office. That's crazy. Oh, no. There you go. And I steal all my wife's jokes. So like four and a half. Thirty four and a half. There you have. Absolutely. What does she do at, at the page? Uh, she is a uh, social media community manager. Ah, very cool. We'll tell her to plug my show coming up. I, I will certainly <laughs> do that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. get uh, the XP and Gers out there. Um, so, what what makes you decide to leave? I know Greg said he wasn't taking his job very seriously, and Josh is always something he wanted to do. So, what what pushes Rajiv uh, out of PNG, out of the towers? Or were you at the towers, or were you in some other location? At the time, I was in the towers. Yeah, I started. I worked in all three buildings. I guess that were connected in the Sycamore building. Yeah. And uh, gosh, I haven't even said that word that term in so long. Then in the central building, I ended up in the towers. Yeah, yeah. I was a contractor there for a while too, so I know some of the lingo. Yeah, in the <laughs> terrace. Yeah, there you the go. Lovely terrace that is actually in a basement. I, I love that love the terminology for that. You can spruce anything up. I turned thirty. That's what happened, man. I uh, born and raised in Cincinnati. I turned thirty. I freaked out. I was like, you know what? I love Cincinnati. I love Ohio, but I cannot spend my entire life here. Uh, I cannot grow old in Salem's lot, as Eminem once said. And I thought, <laughs> you know what? I'm getting out. I'm going to the coast. Uh, and I was single at the time. And I go, you know what? Everybody in the middle of the country is married. I got to go to the coast. I got to go. get out of here. It sounds good. So wait, yeah. did you continue to do comedy in the area and kind of start like, because I know Greg for a while, he would uh, feature places and he toured, then he got transferred to Houston. And uh, Josh, same thing. He kind of moved out. Or did you say, I'm picking up roots and I'm going to California and I'm going to try there? Well, it's kind of a combo of both, or kind of one and a half of those things, I guess. I was featuring. I was doing it for four years. So I started in earnest in 2002. That's the start date. So started in 2002, comedy-wise, and uh, I left in 2006. So after four years, I was featuring at the at Go Bananas, at the, at the Funny Bone, sort of, I guess, locally, regionally, you know, Dayton, Wiley's, Jokers, uh, some stuff out in Indianapolis, whatever else. So it's kind of a bunch of... Um, a lot of Kentucky, uh, you know, local kind of gigs. Corbin, Kentucky, that was fun, going all the way down there. That was, yeah. that was a good crowd, actually. <laughs> so I was doing a lot of the regional stuff. And, you know, they're not going to make you a headliner uh, unless you either have TV credits, you've toured, uh, whatever else. So, you know, you're not going to just suddenly become you, – you, you're going to get as far as you can go, I think, featuring and whatever after that. So I think at about four or five years is a good time to make a move. And um, I actually went, uh, came to Los Angeles 
to be the brand manager of Fiji Water. I did not come out here to do stand-up. Ah. And all my friends saw it before I did. They're like, dude, you're going you're gonna to go be a professional comedian. I'm like, no, I'm not. That's crazy. And then uh, 12 weeks after I got the job at Fiji, I jumped ship, as it were, and uh, started doing stand-up full-time in, in uh, 2006, end of 2006. Wow. And in Los Angeles, a little more difficult than if you had gone to New York because, you know, that people always say it's much easier in New York because, at least with public transportation, you can get to the clubs, you know, relatively easily. Where in Los Angeles, you may have to be at the Ice House or back in uh, at the Comedy Store or, you know, much, much further distances to travel to do gigs. It's that, and they always say you go to New York to be funny and L.A. to be famous. And yep. so you've got a lot of people who don't necessarily do stand-up. They just kind of dabble in it, and they'll yep. drop in. And I remember when I first got to, to L.A., and I was at the Laugh Factory, and Mr. Belding from Saved by the Bell came in to do stand-up. And you're like, I mean, the crowd goes nuts, yeah. but, you know, for the first minute. And then it's like, well, now show us what you got, which, right. you know, Jerry Seinfeld's movie Comedian talked all about that. I mean, it's the most honest art form. And, you know, some of the stuff we're just talking about vis-a-vis Howard, Her- Howard Stern, it's the same thing, right? I mean, you know, it's honest. They're not going to just keep laughing if, if it's not funny. Right. So, um. I'm not ripping Mr. Belding. He did the best job he could, but he's not a stand-up. He was funny for what he was, sure. uh, but it's a different art form from, from what he does. So it was, um, it, it was interesting to watch. And so you get guys like that dropping in who, you know, n- nothing against them, but they're not necessarily pure stand-ups. And I think in New York you have that. So, and you're exactly right about the logistics, man. I mean, out in L.A. you trade traffic for weather. You get great weather. Uh, but you're going to pay for it traffic-wise. Now, it works out when you don't have a commute. So uh, you, you kind of win if you're a comic and you you know, you know get up 10 minutes before this interview at noon. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hate traffic. I hate being cold even worse. So Oh, absolutely. No, yeah. I, there's especially the winter that you guys have had back east. I'm like, I, I considered it. I'm like, maybe I should move to New York. And <laughs> the winter happened. I'm like, you know Ooh. what? It was like Game of Thrones. The no. winter's coming. I'm not, I'm not yeah. doing this. Well, even Bill Maher says he's from New York. And he said, I, I lived there when I had money. I lived there when I didn't have money. And I hated it all the time. And he loved it out in California. So. It's true. You do not need as much money in Los Angeles. For once, it, for one, it's probably seventy percent of the cost of living is, of New York. And then also, yeah, there's a lot of stuff you can open your window. I have my my sliding door open right now. I'm not leaving the place, and it's a nice day, and you know it, you can enjoy the weather without even going out in it. Whereas New York, man, you you need some cash. Yeah, yeah. Well, it may be warm tomorrow here, so that, that, that'd be good. I'm coming home uh, fairly soon, so that that's good to hear. And you're coming back at a uh, at a at a good time because I hope it'll be mid mid April. Spring, spring, yeah. spring is spring. So at least that's good. At least we have the seasonal change. No doubt. No, yeah. we don't have that out here. But, you know, if people say that, they're just like, oh, man, they get tired of the weather. Like, it's always sunny in 75. I'm like, what is the last time you went to a bar? And it was like all, you know, girls that are all nines and tens. And you're like, oh, man, I just need some, like, ugly fat chick just for variety. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> okay, so how does this one-man show come about? <clears throat> well, speaking of, well, I don't know say ugly fat chicks that's mean but i guess as far as uh, it, uh my dating life goes it uh it definitely uh it started about that it started there i uh it's all about my dating life it's about defining manhood in modern society it's basically asking the question why am i single and uh it starts off when i was five years old in fairfield ohio and uh it catches up to modern day that's that's kind of the the arc of the show aha uh-huh. And so, um, you know, I know when people do these one-man shows, I know uh, Birbigli was talking about this with us, and, uh, you know, it's, it's not as easy as it looks. People think, oh, it's just like, it's like a stand-up routine, but really it's not. It's a, it's a different animal. It's easier and it's harder. Um, I don't know what, what uh, Mike would have said about it. And I, I saw both of his shows in New York. I saw Sleepwalk with me and I saw my girlfriend's boyfriend. And they're both great and they're fantastic. He's an amazing performer. And in fact, when I saw him do... 85 minutes, no intermission. That's what inspired me. I go, okay, you know what? I'm doing 85 minutes. And, and that's what it is. The show is, is pretty much that. And um, I saw how he was able to just hold a, a crowd's attention for so long and just you know be super entertaining. And I really enjoyed his, his work. Um, 
it's it's easier in the sense that you're not chasing the laugh. In stand-up, you know, they say like six laughs a minute, a laugh every 10 seconds, whatever. You got to keep it rolling. It, it, it's, you got to be punchy. And if you also want to say something else um, and you want to make a point or whatever, that's an also. But a comedian's job is the most simple on the planet. It's not the easiest, but it's the simplest. It's a three-word description. Make people laugh. That's it. That's your job. So for the entire five minutes, an hour, two hours, however long you're up there, you got to make people laugh. And you got to keep it very consistent. So it's kind of, it's great, but it's kind of confining. And um, if you also want to say something else, that's where you have to kind of go into the one-person show format, where it's a little bit more theatrical. I've got music. I've got costume changes. I've got, you know, I get sad. I get mad. I get scared. Um, you know, you're looking for other things from the audience. But by the time you're finished, uh, it is definitely more draining. You are exhausted because you've emoted. You've tried to get the audience to emote. Hopefully, they're on the journey with you. Um, but it's super fun, and it gives you the opportunity to be funny, to be insightful, to be poignant. Uh, I'm not saying it is all those things, but it gives you the opportunity to do all those things. Um, but I, and I hope that that's what it is to people, and I certainly really enjoy doing it. And another thing, too, I guess, with the uh, the one-man show is that you don't have to worry about keeping that same stand-up-y format. That you, can, you can let it breathe a little bit and you know, let a story uh, play out and not have to worry about you know, putting some punchlines in there. Because a lot of stand-ups, when they tell stories like a Ron White, you know, there'll still be jokes in there along the way. In a, in a one-man show, maybe not necessarily so. Maybe the story itself you know, it, it can be more engaging. You can let that breathe. It's so funny you just said let it breathe because I just did Kevin Farley's podcast, Farley Brothers Radio, and uh, I was at the Laugh Factory, and uh, he and David Spade were there to completely name drop. But I was hosting, and so I had to get their intros. And so we started talking for a while, and Farley goes, hey, do you want to do my podcast tomorrow? I go, yeah, I'll be happy to fill in. And I did it, and we talked about exactly this. And I go, you got to let the track breathe, as the rappers say. And uh, is that what is that what they, it was like? Is that what the hip hop guys say? It's like, yeah, they let the track breathe. So. P.F., who would have thunk? You're, you're, so, you're so thugged out. There you go, man. I tell you, I'm, I, have, I have my finger on the pulse of American comedy. You're on it. Bad 100, music. 142, 43 episodes in. Whenever this one drops, this will be, I guess this will be 142. So Drops. There you that's, go. That's Pod, podcasting talk. Sure, sure. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So do you have one of these here podcasts? I do, 127 episodes. So you, you got me by a little bit. Uh, <laughs> they've all been about an hour long. Some, some of them are much longer. Some of them went two, two and a half hours. But, uh, you know, the last uh, 20 or so, I've tried to hold it to an hour. I think that's a good amount or, or less, really. And uh, had some cool people on it, man. Yeah, it's, it's great. I'll have to have you on mine sometime. Oh, cool. And so now what goes from here? Now, the, the one-man show, what's been happening with it? I was coming to Cincinnati here for a special engagement in April. And then where do you go uh, with it from there? Well, so far, I, I debuted it in L.A. in November. So uh, that was at the Acme Comedy Club in uh, L.A. Sold out both shows. Very fortunate to do that. And then I took it to New York and did Dixon Place in the Lower East Side. That sold out. Took it to San Francisco uh, March 15th at the Creativity Theater in Soma. That sold out. Those are all you know venues of 200, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, San Francisco was 200-plus uh, people. Um, at twenty five bucks a pop, you know, it's like, oh, you know, my friend, my friend wrote on my wall, so oh, it's easy when you do ten seaters and you charge five bucks. It's like, yeah, that would be easier to sell out. This, you know, the two hundred seats at twenty five bucks a pop is nothing to shake a stick at. So, um, really happy with, with the support that's happened. But Cincinnati's a big one, right? I mean, that's uh, it's my homecoming. That's my base. Those are my people that I grew up with and that I love still, and all of that. Um, it's a four hundred thirty eight seater, the Earnoff. Yeah, that's no joke. It's a big place. Uh, 
especially at, uh, on Easter weekend. So I uh, appreciate you having me on because uh, I'm not so uh, not usually in such a heavy promo mode. But you know, you get a little oh. nervous. Tickets are selling well, but you know, it, it is the Lord and Savior's weekend. So oh, there you go. Yeah, well, we'll get we'll get the word out both in uh, in the in the local papers in the in the city beat and of course, uh, you know, folks, Cincinnati. You know, a couple hours drive only from Columbus, Indy, Louisville, uh, Lexington. So a lot of you know a lot of places people can, can come and check the show out from. Absolutely. You, you remind me of a bit that Kevin Nealon did when we were at the Cincinnati Funny Bone. He goes, uh, Cincinnati, great place. He's like, there's a lot you can do in Cincinnati. Uh, you can go to Lexington, you can go to Louisville, you can go to Columbus. Yeah. <laughs> <So basic. laughs> now, uh, Kevin Nealon, uh, your buddy's with him, right? Is that... To continue the name drop, the Saturday Night Live name dropping, I guess. Uh, yeah, man, he's probably my only like true, you know famous in America celebrity friend and and I would call him a friend you know like I've, I've interacted with a number of people and you know I got some people's numbers on my phone but I wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily call them friends I mean yeah I just you know I emailed him yesterday He's somebody I could uh, when he calls I you know I'll call him back or I, I might wait a couple days to call him back I mean that's people are like you send him to voicemail I'm like I don't know we're friends you know like it's it's a different game whereas you know there are other people that you meet and you know you're you're cool with them but you're not necessarily friends he's just a super nice guy it's a funny story how you guys became pals it was while you were still working here in in town and featuring absolutely no i i was uh at the cincinnati funny bone and i was in the offices uh, uh there and uh jeff jenna uh comic there who spent uh, 20 years out here in la and uh, just knows everybody he asked me he's like hey you know you want to book some weekends coming up he's like i, I got kevin Nealon coming up you want to do that one and i I kind of looked at him and was like, are you serious? And he goes, yeah, you want to do it? And I was like, well, yeah, obviously I want to do it. And um, that weekend, I remember my friend Rumman, he just goes, hey, ask Neilan if he wants to come see Batman Begins with us. And I go, uh, so whenever that was, oh, oh 05, I guess. Um, and I go, I'm not going to do that. And he goes, no, just ask him. And I said, hey, Kevin, do you want to go see Batman Begins? And he goes, uh, yeah, sure. Well, that weekend, we like we saw a movie. We went to coffee. We went to lunch. Farther than I get with most women in six months. Uh, he, he just <laughs> hung out with us. He was super cool. He gave me his number, and he goes, hey, call me if you ever get to L.A. And when I got out here, I called him, and um, he absolutely took my call. He said, do you want to work with me? And took me under his wing a little bit, which was uh, – you know, a lot of guys say that. Hey, come on anytime yeah, yeah. or you know, give me a call. And he really meant it. So yeah, I've uh, interviewed him before. Unfortunately, it was before the podcast, so I haven't had him on the podcast. But uh, to bring the universe full circle, uh, a buddy of mine uh, out there who lives out in California now—you may have heard the story uh, of the guy that got the cell phone. He's from Cleveland, and he gets a new cell phone, and he wants an LA number. He doesn't want his Cleveland area code anymore, so they give him a number, and it turns yeah. out he gets the number of a famous comedian. Uh, the phone company never didn't delay not using that number; they just turned it right over to my friend Bob Gray, and it turns out it was Nick Swartzen's old phone number. So really? Bob, that is so, crazy. so Bob's getting all of Nick's phone calls for a couple of weeks, and uh, it finally it stopped after a couple of. It went in for a couple of months though, and so Bob's now doing stand up, and this was the basis of one. And Kevin Nealon was one of the people that encouraged him to write a screenplay about it. So that's really funny. I actually uh, have booked a couple things in town, uh, like interviews and spots, because you know they always say, "Oh, all Indian people look the same," or our names just kind of run together, or whatever. Well, thank God, because a couple of times <laughs> that's happened where somebody thought I was somebody else. And then I pointed it out. I'm like, oh, I'm not that guy. But like, well, you're here. You want to, you know, do the time. And, you know, I kill because I'm hilarious. And then uh, next thing you know, I'm in. But uh, I've actually been the beneficiary of that. You got to roll with it. Yeah, totally. Take it. You you know, be honest. Say say what's up. But, you know, if if they're cool, they let you get the opportunity. So now speaking of doing stand, I got to clear something with you. Mm. Your name, just your name, not you specifically, come up uh, in in a joke I do now. Because I see you in my newsfeed, and it's the only male Indian that pops into my head. 
Nice. Okay, so the joke is is that uh, you know uh, I had to get my laptop fixed and I had to call the service center over uh, in India and I spoke to Steve and I'm pretty sure his name isn't Steve. Now right. I'm not going to do a hideous Indian accent. In fact, Steve was great. We talked about Friends while we, uh, we had the, the TV show Friends and he fixed my laptop and he was great. I was more upset with Dell, thinking I would be upset that my tech guy had a foreign-sounding name. And then I thought, well, you know, TiVo's service center in Tennessee. I wonder if you have a problem with your TiVo in India. Do you call and someone says, hey, my name is Rod Jeeve, and I help you? And so I just use your name because the only male Indian name I know. That's I, funny. I work with three Indian women at work, but I don't. Uh, I guess I could just, I guess suppose I could do that as well. I, I, they'd be flattered. Maybe they wouldn't be. I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> I like that. Well, Stephen Rajiv rhymes, so maybe his name. Oh, really maybe that, that could be it. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Huh? So, um, so that, now, after this uh, finishes up, then the uh, the one man show. Uh, like I said, you're gonna. What other projects do you have down the road? So yeah, I mean, I'm taking this on tour. So after this, uh, yeah, I, I didn't answer your question. You're right. After Cincinnati is uh, going to be Chicago. We're we're locking down the dates, but it's going to be cool. L.A. most likely again uh, May 22nd, Chicago in June, probably D.C. probably in July. Uh, so all these are, are hovering around that. Um, and you know, just uh, nomanslandshow.com. We're going to okay. be putting out more all right, yeah, well. and then people can uh, stay in touch. But I mean, we're, we're I'm gonna I keep saying we. I guess that's sort of the, I don't know if that's a royal we or just me being humble. But uh, I guess my director and I, uh, Samara Bay, she and I are, are taking it to other places. And we're doing about one a month, and we we okay. hope to cover uh, a lot of cities in the United States. And so far, the response has been good. So uh, the fact that we don't have lockdown dates is not not that it isn't going well. It's that we're uh, we've been so busy, uh, you know, setting up what we're setting up. Okay. Well, cool, man. Well, appreciate you taking the time, and uh, good luck to you the rest of the way, and we'll hopefully get a lot of butts in the seats for uh, not only Cincinnati, but for the other cities as well. That'd be fantastic. I really appreciate you having me on. All right, Rajiv. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, P.F. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again to Rajiv Satyal for doing episode 141. Actually, Rajiv was on after that as well if you just google Rajiv Satyal PFC recorder you'll get the other episode because I know Rajiv's been on at least twice and speaking of by the way uh, hopefully this will be the last Encore presentation I'm going to try and contact uh, some friends of the show, close friends of the show everyone's been on the, the tape recorder is a friend of the show. That's roughly 200, 250 people because a lot of people have been on twice. Some people have been on three times. But I'm going to actually uh, reach out to some of our close friends. One of them has been on. Pat Francis was on uh, last month. But I'm going to try to reach out to maybe uh, Jimmy Pardo, Paul Mercurio, Jackie Cation, uh, the people that have you know, been on a lot and uh, you know I'm kind of uh, friendlier with that I know better than just beyond interviewing them. Uh, Nikki Glazer, I want to talk to her as well. So we might uh, reach out to them and get some fresh interviews from them while we're still kind of coming out of the other side of this lockdown. In the meantime, oh, Rajiv Satyal's website is just rajivsatyal.com. Rajiv is R-A-J-I-V, Satyal, like it sounds, S-A-T-Y-A-L.com. And you can find out what Rajiv is up to right now during the lockdown and hopefully you know when this thing all clears up. Uh, what he's you know going to be doing in the future as far as touring and all that fun stuff. He has a podcast as well. Check that out. In the meantime, we're up to our song of the week. It's from AJR. You might know those guys. They kind of broke through last year finally. Uh, my friend in Los Angeles is uh, is really keen on these guys. In fact, she turned me on to them uh, right when they the last song they had that was huge was Breaking. I don't listen to a lot of like commercial alternative radio, like hardly any, like actually never anymore, to be quite honest. And um, I've been at our uh, commercial alternative station on here in Cincinnati the other day just in passing and caught this song and thought, oh, these guys have a new track out. How cool. And it's really good. It, it puts me a little in the mind of fun. 
Um, and I'm trying to think of what else. I can't quite put my finger on it, but um, I like it. A little different. It got the number eight on the uh, alternative chart here in the U.S. Didn't chart on any of the charts. Uh, I'm not sure why, but it's a, it's a pretty good tune. Doesn't sound quite like anything else that's out there right now, so that's a good thing. So this is going to be our track of the week on PFJ Record. It's HGR with Bang. So long, and thanks for listening. I get up, I get down, and I'm jumping around. And the rump is some rock, it's so comfortable now. Been a hell of a ride, but I'm thinking it's time to grow. So I got an apartment across from the park. Put quinoa in my fridge, still I'm not feeling great. Been a hell of a ride, but I'm thinking it's time to go. Here we go. So get your best face on, everybody pretend you love this song. Everybody come hang. Let's go out. I'm gonna puke, cause my taxes are due Do my password begin with a one or a two Been a hell of a ride, but I'm thinking it's time to grow Metronome Man, I'm up to something Booty la thank you all for coming I hope you like the show, cause it's on a budget So ooty la yeah Come on, here we go, yeah